Hi Chinia Madri family, another week, another special episode. From the field of academia, our guest this week is Dr. Lawrence Nderu, a professor in the computer science department in JQuart, with a PhD in AI from the University of Paris. His deep-rooted passion for technology is evident not only through his academic achievements, but also in his day-to-day routine and understanding of matters of computing. His story is one of childhood love for academia, cultivated through the growth process, time career, and passion. He believes in the constant learning process. His point of view on all matters of AI and innovation is just mind-blowing. Dr. Lawrence is also a part of the Impact Africa Network community as an instructor at Jenga School, a 12-month intensive program where you can get the chance to jumpstart your data science and AI career. Our mission is to unleash Africa's genius. Every aspect of this week's podcast is a learning experience. Enjoy the podcast. How you guys doing, Chini Imagine family? This is your host, Mark Karaki. Super excited to be bringing yet another episode of the, of the podcast. This is our third in the post-COVID-19 quarantine days. And super excited to have our guest this week. Uh, we have uh, a special treat for you. Uh, our guest is uh, coming from the world of academia. And we have who, he's a professor at uh, Jake Watt University here in, in Nairobi. And without further ado, I will introduce Mr. Actually, Professor Lawrence, do, actually Dr. Lawrence Nderu. Uh, welcome to the podcast, Prof. Thank you so much, Mark. Um, nice to have you. Uh, to, uh, I'm very happy to be here. Good stuff. Yes, uh, Dr. Nderu, how are you holding up in these days of uh, COVID-19? I'm sure it's impacting, especially the education sector, quite a bit. Um, What's that experience been like for you? So, uh, yes, uh, it has been influencing us heavily, especially uh, that uh, it has to be, it had to be a paradigm shift, total shift from the physical classes to now going uh, to some of the classes that we are holding online. So we are coming up and uh, uh, trying to see how we can cope. Uh, the issue is that uh, it's, it, it, it also provides us with opportunities to see what uh, online learning uh, can provide us with. So uh, we, are, we are still coping up. Uh, the, the main challenge is that we do not want to, to hear the issue of deaths and such. So that's the main concern. But uh, in terms of coping up, I think we will have to, to adjust. Life will never be the same again. Yeah, very interesting times, definitely, we live in right now. And uh, without, without further ado, maybe just uh, do an in- introduction for yourself. I, as far as I, you know, I, I know you, we are, we, we, I've known you for um, maybe uh, almost a year now, possibly. And I know your background is you're a professor at the Department of Computer Science at uh, JQuat. Um, why don't you just give us a little bit of your of your of your background, right? Like, uh, what 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 do you do there? What's your title? What what what's your role there? Okay, thank you so much. Uh, now, I am a, a, a lecturer at uh, in the Department of Computing. My background is that I have a, a degree. First, I have a degree in uh, mathematics and computer science from JQuant. I also have a master's degree in software engineering from uh, Jomo Kenyatta University. I also have a PhD uh, from University of Paris 18 France. Uh, that was uh, what I finished in 2015. Since uh, before even going for PhD, I've been a, a lecturer at uh, the JQuant Department of Computing. And uh, so that's where I am. 
All right. Well, so super credentialed. You've been through the almost the entire uh, Kenyan university system. You've been to KU, JQuad. Um, those are kind of very well-established institutions uh, that, uh, that are part of the backbone of our education system here in Kenya. So, yeah, that's 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 wonderful. So, how did you end up? studying computer science? I mean, is this something that you always wanted to do? I mean, I guess maybe you take us back to, to your high school days and talk through that whole process of how you ended up, what your academic journey was. Uh, if you could, that would, that would be interesting to hear how you ended up where you are. So what was your, which high school did you go to? What did you study in high school? And how did you matriculate into where you are today? So I, first of all, I, I, I didn't go to, I, I, they, they, I, I said it's JQuart, the undergraduate is both is JQuart and the master's is JQuart. Oh. Yeah. Ah, okay. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, what, what did you, did you, didn't you not say you did something at KU? I'm a, no, I said JQuart, both undergraduate and master's. Ah, yeah. okay. Yeah. So my, I, I did, a, when I was in high school, I, one of the things that I liked is that I liked the sciences, the mathematics, and uh, those aspects. Uh, uh, my, my thinking then was that I wanted to join a science field, uh, specifically a field where I would uh, be able to contribute in STEM-based uh, courses. And that was one of the main uh, motivation for sciences. So I, in high school, uh, where I went, uh, generally, I, uh, 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 there was a, what was called the pure sciences and also the physical sciences. And there was a lot of focus on uh, guys who are doing pure sciences to be guys who enjoy the computation, the physics, the chemistry, the biology and such. So uh, at that time, uh, in terms of computing, what was the, the knowledge that we had, the idea of computing in Kenya was coming up. That was, uh, uh, let's say, around 19, that was around uh, uh, 1997. Yeah, 1997 uh, is when I was uh, now finishing. So the, 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 the journey towards the university was that computing was becoming, computer science was becoming the course in, I think it had maybe three, four years uh, in most courses, and some of it uh, as, as a course was actually starting in the university at around, it had already taken maybe two years or such. So my feeling then was that uh, I needed uh, to do, uh, 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 the, the, the feeling was of the computing was that it is going to influence all the industries. So that, that was the, the feeling mm. that all industries will not be spared. Computer science is coming in. Specifically now, then it was a computer. It is coming in and it is going to influence all the sectors, whether you are in business, whether you are in manufacturing, wherever you are, uh, the, the idea of mm. computing is going to really influence you. So I felt that was my main motivation, that I needed to do something that I felt that it is its future was exciting. Uh, mm, and, mm. and 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 that is how my motivation for joining a computer course, a computer-based course, uh, was that I felt I needed to be part of a future that includes a lot of uh, issues to do with computing. Interesting. What 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 did you what gave you that insight? Because you know, being a high school student in Kenya in the '90s, I mean, there was not too much computing happening. What was it that you know, gave you that insight that this is going to be the future? Did you see a, a movie? Was it somebody talked to you about it? Or was it a series of just inputs? How did you come up to, to that conclusion? 
Now, so I I, I give credit to uh, mentorship. I think we uh, the, 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 the issue is that uh, I was in a school, a high school called Figure Boys, and in there we had uh, a lot of mentorship programs. As the school was at a Catholic uh, uh, background, and there was a lot of mentorship mm -hmm. in terms of uh, having people to come to talk to us and all those things. And as, as you can imagine that time, there was a lot of excitement in what computing then programming was doing. I, I, remember, right, talking right. To, I remember talking to some, uh, I, I, I was brought up in Kijabi and I remember talking to a certain uh, doctor who works at uh, Kijabi hospital. And his, his argument was that uh, he's, he's trying to do something related to those programming. And I felt, uh, I wanted to ask, he, he was trying to explain the way he is trying to do some development at, uh, at uh, Kijabi Hospital in terms of trying to support the hospital. He was a missionary. So mm -hmm. uh, that had an interest in, uh, it looks like this is already medicine. It is being influenced by this. We have, us, we have in our high school, teachers are telling us some of the courses that we should be out looking for. So that was uh, the, the driving force, yes. Oh wow! Okay, so there was a number of so mentorship, and then you you saw somebody who was a doctor who was actually trying to implement a computing solution in his industry, which which was, I mean, that definitely will will get your head uh, turning because you know uh, that's different. So yeah. I guess so you you've you've gone through you've gone through this whole process of uh, it. It seems like you chose to stay on the academic side as opposed to the industry side of uh, of computing. Uh, and what was that decision like? You know, why did you choose that? How did that come about? So uh, I, I, I think I would say I come from a family of teachers. That's that's one thing. My mother, uh, uh, a teacher, a primary school teacher, and uh, I also have. Uh, so that that was one of the uh, reasons. But I I think to a, to a good extent I also got as as I said. My heavy influence was also in high school. I had uh, very good science teachers, and I, I think I felt like there were people whom I would emulate. So I think they, they had a, a role to play into it, yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. So so did you always know from the beginning you were going to go down the academ academia path, or was it something that, I mean, it was there, and then you kind of gravitated towards towards it as a... As a, as a almost something you're comfortable with or did you decide that very early in your in your in your career path there, there has been uh, th that question is a very interesting one because there has been a debate over a period of time on whether teachers are made or born and uh, i felt like mm. for me i was born and then made because of course i i liked the teaching and uh, uh, i remember even taking my brothers for some uh, a room and trying to teach them some ideas in a in our home, so <laughs> you are one of those guys, eh? <laughs> yeah, so I think, <laughs> so I think uh, to an extent, maybe I would say I was both uh, born and made as a teacher. Yeah. As a teacher, yeah, yeah, that's 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 fascinating. And so, what's that, that journey been like? Has it been satisfying? I mean, so far, you know, how do you tell us what that's been like? Has it been satisfying? Are you? How do you feel as a teacher? Do you feel like you're doing what you're supposed to be doing? Yes, yes. So, so uh, 
very uh, the, the the issue is that uh, especially if you think about an area like computer science, there's a, there's no boring day in office. There's uh, so much. Uh, there are so many things that are coming up. So much interesting things that one can do, even as an individual. If you think about um, right. the, 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 the 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 things that are now the focus, starting from where initially you are looking at. Uh, at the beginning, the focus was maybe on packages. Uh, then we moved to traditional programming languages. We are talking about uh, languages like C and uh, such. Then we moved now to more modern languages, uh, uh, Python, R, there's uh, uh, Java, uh, you talk of Node.js. There's so much that is, uh, there's no boring day in this course and you have to really keep yourself uh, on top, yeah. Mm, okay, that's, that's, yeah, computing is definitely uh, a fascinating space that's fast moving. Uh, almost every year, not even year, every few months there's something new coming down the pike. And how do you keep up with this change? I mean, the, the, the tendency for people is to, once they have a PhD, what more do they need to learn? They've arrived, they've finished the, the job. Uh, how do you keep up with the change? So uh, one of the things you can do in computer science is that you cannot... Uh, uh, go ahead and say that you have you, you you've gotten to the point where you you need to be this this you have to always be looking out for new materials there is of course a lot of uh, publication in new technology so to keep up to date you will need to be involved in uh, some of these uh, uh, publishing house see how they the, the new technologies that people are discussing, new ways of doing things. So there, there has to be a lot of reading, and that's what I do. There has to be a lot of reading, uh, especially if you think about even going to classes. The, the students that you deal with, they have online access to uh, most of these things, and therefore you will have to, to, to be uh, able to keep up with uh, those kind of ideas. So uh, there is a lot of reading that has to go into it. Yeah, definitely. The students, I'm sure, are pushing the envelope, right? Because they are, it, it's, it's a very interesting, fascinating space because it moves with generations, right? Then the new generation of students are the ones who are, in a sense, pushing the envelope, right? Yes, yes. And you, you think, of, uh, think of if there is an area where somebody can start, uh, students, when they come in, they know they can even start businesses. They already have ideas. They can do things. They, they can create employment. In, it's it's the one area where they can think of what is is this area. So that is uh, something that you have to really keep up to tabs with what they are running and what is out there, and even further what you can you 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 are, you are expanding. Yeah, because you become you could become outdated pretty quickly in the space. So it definitely is uh it pushes you to keep to stay on the cutting edge. And on, on that particular topic, right? In general, um. Where would you say our level of competitiveness is in the computer sciences, in the institutions, right? Um, being a, an instructor in, in that space uh, in, in Kenya, where would you say our level of competitiveness if, if you were to rank us vis-a-vis -vis some of the leading institutions around the world? You know, you've got, I mean, folks who are on the bleeding edge like MIT and, and, and Stanford and the like. Where, where are we in terms of that continuum? So, How would you rank us? So, uh, if you you, you look at um, our, our I would I would I would look at it our our, our syllabus or our teaching in the university. I would I would give it 
maybe three sections. Uh, the first section is at the beginning when there were no auroral materials like internet. So I'm talking about uh, the time when you will only find uh, uh, old books that talk about C programming and all those kind of things. So that was at the beginning. That's the way it was. And our space was then that if you compare us now globally, we were, of course, running some of the things that had already been done earlier. But that, that was then. But uh, the skills that were being taught were still important. But in terms of currency, in terms of um, the, 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 the up-to-dateness of the materials then, you, you would have found that there were some, uh, a bit of gaps because the, the, the internet uh, had not opened up as it is today. So then there was the opening up of the internet, a lot of materials and a lot of available resources. So our, our universities, uh, to a large extent, that time I, I adopted, and that time they really uh, adopted uh, uh, even syllabus that were very progressive. I think the main challenge for me, the way I see it today, is that we are still not creators of content or creators of ideas as, as yet. I mean, we still have, have a lot of dependence on, even when you talk of uh, teaching content, even when you talk of uh, products, I mean uh, patent products, if you talk of uh, uh, IPs that, that we get, we are still at, at a level where we are not creating enough. And that, I think, is, is for me the main uh, concern. Okay, that's very interesting and, and, and uh, uh, a good topic to actually dive into. And what, what do you have any theory on why that is the case? Why is it a we don't create as much as uh, as as we could. What what do you think is the is the gap there? So so I think that that's a very good question. Looking at the fact that uh, we have all the ingredients that should motivate us to be able to do that. The first uh, mm -hmm. ingredient that we do have is that uh, we have um, a very young population, which is uh, thinking about uh, creation of uh, wealth as, as rather than just being employed. So that is one big factor that is working for us. Uh, we also have one push or pull factor, depending on which angle you are in, which is that we have a lot of unemployed youth. Uh, that that could be right. some, something that you can consider to be um, a push or a pull, depending on which side you take. And um, we, we also have a number of challenges that would be interesting to, to look at. I, I, I think in, in, um, in, in just, uh, I don't know whether that is the exact answer, but my view is that perhaps we have not created, our, our system has not gotten to the point where it gives real confidence to the creators of products. I mean, entrepreneurial as a, as, as, as something to take about is not something that the system has has succeeded so much in in, in generating. So um, you you will find that uh, a person has the right skills, they have the ability to do the job, but uh, the skills they have is that they will need uh, some level of maybe confidence in terms of the skills so that they are able to get to a point where they can be able now confidently say that they can uh, venture in that area as entrepreneur. There is also a debate uh, about financing and all that, uh, but uh, my feeling has always been that with a good idea, you, you, you may not fail so much to get uh, people to, to support your, uh, your, your, your thoughts or such. Mm. 
Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's, it's a topic that everybody, that's in the to top of everybody's mind in terms of, because of the reasons that you just so you pointed out, unemployment, uh, high young population, uh, and just so much room to, to create change. But uh, we are yet to manifest those ideas or that talent or that desire into some into scalable companies. But, you know, you're seeing some things happening um, around, which is encouraging, uh, but not at yeah. the pace and at the volume that uh, that we had we might have hoped for, but I am very hopeful about uh, about the future, uh, and and I see that um, there's opportunity for 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 good things to happen. People are actually doing things. It's a tough environment. I mean, we we have we have certain traditions, we have a certain culture, we we lack the structures to support entrepreneurship. So, um, but that is continuing to evolve. So that's very encouraging. Now, let, let me ask you this <clears throat> on the academia side. So. You know, if you look at our world of academia, right, especially higher education, would yeah. you say that our, we have a tradition of a research-oriented tradition or a more of an instruction-oriented tradition? How would you, not that, I'm, not that I know how to name what academic institutions behave like, but what is a tradition in our higher education institution from a research to instruction maybe type of juxtaposition? So I, I think uh, uh, this is a question that academia is always trying to, to answer and joke around because universities are created generally uh, for the purpose of training and research. And there there seem to be an agreement among uh, most people that we have tended to focus so much on the teaching and have forgotten. Uh, we have not put as much emphasis as research. Of course, this is something that uh, everybody realizes is, 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 is if you look at big universities around the world and whatever the world is doing, there is a lot of focus now in having more research. Uh, or, so instead of creating uh, teaching departments, people are creating research units, research groups. And that, that to me looks like the way uh, it should be. Our focus should be now on having research groups and research units. And we are not yet there. Uh, there are a number of reasons that will be given. Perhaps uh, one of them would be the, the issue of uh, funding, the, the, the government funding to the, to the institutions and all that. Um, and those are things that people are raising. But this is the, the important part, that instead of talking about the past, more, more people are realizing that there is need for us to be more focused on research and such. Right. No, I mean, funding is, I mean, if you think about it, right, research is, research is then enabled through funding, right? It, it's, and the, the reason why uh, the best top universities exist in the rich world is because they can actually, by definition, exist in a rich environment. So they can, they can receive the funding to allow individuals like yourselves, academicians and, and, uh, and, and, uh, folks who are practitioners in that particular area to do the research. Uh, you know, it's interesting because you, 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 you can tend to even in some way, shape or form uh, uh, associate research with being a luxury. It's almost like a yeah. privilege. Yeah, right? agree, agree. Um, just based when you, when you think about it, but it's power and impact is so huge. Yeah. And so when you, when you, when you live in a society such as ours, where, you know, we tend to, yeah, we are, we are under pressure to just, uh, in a very real sense, just meet, meet the bills, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Research becomes something that is a bit too far for us to, to reach out to. So there is no way you can divorce the, the ability to do research from funding. It is fundamental. Yes, yes, and yes. so 
when you think about these structural gaps, you know, you start to wonder, how do we turn the corner? Um, because if we cannot get funding, yeah. people cannot do research, right? Yes. So um, I, I, I wonder about this a lot, and I think this about, about this a lot. What are the other structures that can enable the brilliant minds that exist here to have the time, the space, the resources to apply themselves diligently over a significant period of time to, to move, uh, to innovate, to yeah. actually get insights, right? Because you need, you need that time, you need that space, you need that just no pressure of thinking about how you're going to eat uh, because the mind needs to actually, uh, you know, d dive deep into a subject matter so that yeah. you can actually um, uncover the insights that lie that deep into that, that knowledge, right? So, yes. uh, you know, it, it's funding is, is critically important to that. And unfortunately, we are, we are, we are. But I, I still think that there are innovative ways that uh, we can figure out how to um, enable the talent to focus, to have the space, the time, and, and that's one of the that's one of the, that's the key. That's one of the things we do at Impact Africa, yeah. right? Impact Africa really we create this space yeah. where we can actually, in a very real sense, research opportunities and build them, right? Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, we are a nonprofit because again, funding uh, is important, right? You got to find a way to fund these types of projects. Yeah. yeah. So, so, so. But if, yeah. Um, if you listen to, to what you have just said, I, I like that idea that you're looking at, uh, uh, well, you, you support people in a such a way that they can really focus on uh, research, whether research is applied or basic. Because even if it is basic, right. even if it is basic, later on we'll have somebody uh, applying whatever you'll have, you have, you have researched on, or whether it is applied, which means it has an immediate uh, use. All those things require somebody whom the issue of finances is well sorted out and they can be able to figure out how to work out it about it. Right, definitely, definitely. Now let's let's take a turn to you know your area of I guess focus, which is uh which is AI. I mean computer science is your is your is your kind of like uh, what you do, but you, you you have a PhD in artificial intelligence and fuzzy logic, I believe, is what you focused on. Yes, yes, that's correct. What, what, explain to us what, what I guess AI is and what fuzzy, fuzzy logic is. So uh, just to explain a bit is that uh, there is uh, an agreement that uh, we have been programming computers. Uh, initially, we have been writing codes that computers are supposed to follow. That means we give them steps and that's what they are supposed to follow. Uh, the AI brings in another paradigm that thinking is that we can show uh, uh, the agent, uh, or even the computer, so to speak, we can show it uh, how uh, uh, the results from past data or from past events, and it should be able to help us predict the future without us giving us giving it the step-by-step -step on how it should be able to arrive at that. So the computer of the future is, uh, which um, has been discussed as a computer of the future for a long time uh, is 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 a, the, which of course now we are we are getting to a point where you have real tangible. We, if if you ask me uh, at AI we are we are at a level where we are now seeing commercial tangible results out there that are really 
making use of this paradigm where which was uh, something that was uh, uh, visualized or thought of in the uh, early uh, 60s and, and around there uh, with uh, some scientists coming up with uh, starting from even programming of a circuit board that can be able to do simple arithmetic addition on its uh, on its own and, and be able to make decisions to where we are where we we can have uh, it's possible for us to, to take an agent uh, show it uh, some events and expect it to make some decisions about the future. That is essentially the, the, the idea of AI. So uh, the AI that you're looking at is creating smart agents. That's, that's where the, the focus is. And if you talk about fast logic, uh, is that uh, fast logic is, is, is like trying to say that uh, knowledge representation in the typical computer has been in the nature of crisp. I mean, our representation has been either uh, zero one. That means that it is discrete, is representative, and that has been the representative that we have taken the natural world and bring it to digital world by having representation is in, in uh, zeros and one. And that's the, the the crisp nature. First logic comes in mm -hmm. as a way of trying to bridge the gap between the human uh, way of speaking and now that language that a computer understands. So essentially what you are saying is that mm. uh, we can have a conversation with you and say, uh, I, I say it's, it's, it's hot here. And uh, uh, the idea will be that you can understand when I mean hot, even if I've not given you a specific value for that, because there is a range in which we all agree what, what, what hot, hotness would mean in terms of the, the, the weather and such. So first logic tries to improve the language of communication between uh, in essence, it's it's in the field of soft computing where we are trying to talk about uh, the, the, the presentation. That's very interesting. And I mean, communication has a number of varied inputs, right? There's visual and then there is auditory, right? Yeah. For the most part, right? Yeah. You can, I can do signs or you can pick up images. So does, is, is fuzzy logic like, an, uh, has is it an umbrella term that contains... NLP, neuro linguistic programming, or and and computer vision, or how do those three things intersect? What what what's how how do those three things? So so when you together? when you bring AI now, when you bring AI, it's like all these areas have a way of 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 um, of, of making use of uh, the, this this the concept that are in AI. So if you think about computer vision, so computer vision is trying to co create computers that have the ability to do uh, generally what a human being would do in terms of their uh, vision capability. So it's possible that you can see a car, if it's a, it a self-driven car, sees a car, recognizes that it's a car, it's a bicycle, mm -hmm. and all those kind of things. So there is an aspect about, there are issues on computer vision that comes up, AI therefore comes in in that area. If you think about natural language processing, we have... Um, uh, uh, AI coming in because we will need to do more in terms of trying to understand the complex uh, human language that exists. So all these areas, there are, of course, now areas that are going to be influenced. My view is that AI is going to influence all these fields and as uh, it brings in a, a very interesting perspective in the sense that whatever area you think about, uh, I don't think it will be spared by AI as, as such. 
That's a very interesting, <clears throat> we hear that a lot, right? That there is just like almost what you said at the beginning of our conversation where computing was going to influence every sector of the human experience, right? Now we are hearing the same about AI, which is just basically computing at the next level, right? Yeah. And for the layperson, sometimes it gets, it gets difficult to imagine that world, right? So maybe if you can give us two or three examples of, you know, where you see, or as many as you want, where you see AI will, could, change, could change the reality as we know it, or at, at least some of the assumptions that we live by today. So uh, if you look at uh, one area that I, I like thinking about, and which I think uh, most people will relate to, is the banking sector. So if you think about uh, the current, the, the, the traditional sense of a, a banking hall, you used to go there, you create, you apply for an account, you deposit some money, you go there, you ask for a loan, and that was supposed to be something that um, when you ask for a loan, essentially what, what would happen then would be that uh, the person would have to ask you some questions, get some background, and take the form to the next level, and so on, and get authorization and all that. These days now you have you have a lot of mobile apps and uh, most banks I believe even in Kenya do have um, uh, those kind of apps that that users are, are all using around. So if if you think about all the activities that you do on a mobile app, we can be able to record it. So it's possible we have data that emanates from those transactions. You transfer money to a certain account, you get some deposit from another account. All those are things that are, are recorded in the app. And there are things that, that, that are kept there. So if, for example, you went now to the bank and you're asking for a loan of a certain amount, uh, it's possible for the system. We, can ha we have a model, and that's something that is out there now. You have a model that is able to predict your paying capability and therefore decides whether we, we do not. The human in the room aspect is now uh, something that the, the, the personnel that you will need uh, to be able to approve is, is already eliminated. So what you have is somebody who you have a system that is programmed in a certain way that we have algorithms that can decide based on a number of factors and based on past data. Are you a person whom we can give room and how much can we give? So this is uh, something that, of course, as we go ahead, a lot of data is then going to be captured, even from the banking. So uh, it is possible that into the future, uh, the bank can even predict uh, how much uh, money you will get this month, how much money you'll get this year, and predict how what is your paying capability, how many uh, items or what items are you interested in buying, because all that kind of information is in your credit card, and it is possible to for the bank to, to be able to tell even the places that you visit. So that's an area that is really being affected. I, I see a situation where even the, 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 the banking hall that we'll have will be storage places for, for supplying items. I mean, no longer uh, people will know. You can do 90% or more of all the transactions that you could in your mobile phone currently. And this is going to, to really change. And that right. kind of transaction means that there is a lot of data you are generating. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, so what impacts will this have in terms of just, um, I guess, uh, employment or, or jobs? I mean, what social impacts will this have? Of course, there'll be some there'll be some efficiency benefits that will accrue probably to businesses and innovators. But what impacts will this have uh, on on human beings, day to day human beings? At least, especially from our from our 
from a, an employment perspective, right? A sustenance perspective. So I, I have, uh, if you remember, when there was a time about uh, computing started and there was a lot of argument about the cost of automation, um, that there will be, of course, some jobs lost. And I am not doubting that, that for sure uh, we, we will need, just like even today, if you think about, uh, I, I've already said that with this pandemic of um, uh, that, that we are in uh, COVID-19, the way we are, there are things that will have to change and we will have to adjust accordingly. So the, 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 that time when people are talking about automation, there was a lot of debate on descaling, rescaling of workers. So the, the, a former se uh, a secretary then was a user of a typewriter. Uh, and there was need for them to right. be skilled so that they can be able to use now their computers for the purpose of doing memo. Today, of course, that has also moved further. You, you, you. What you need is 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 you to have those tools, and you can do most of the jobs that uh, uh, secretaries would do, or, or in a different way. I mean, secretaries then. The secretary of today is defined differently. Has has more. Is, it, maybe the way I would put it is a person with a lot of competence in in so many other areas uh, apart from what was was then uh, possible that time. So what I'm saying is that I agree. I'm not even sure. I'm not even sure that role exists anymore. To yeah. be fair. I, I I don't remember the last time. <laughs> right. I think it's been absorbed into so many operations in the business. Yeah. So now maybe you love it as a personal assistant or maybe something different. I I think that is. So what I'm trying to drive at is that. Um, this 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 these uh, changes that are occurring uh, uh, requires people to get skilled and be skilled. And I agree that the even AI, most likely, and that's a fact. And, and it's it's a, it's just like what is happening in the industry will have some job losses. But this is the issue. Opportunities come or challenges come, and we have people whom we need now to move to the next level. What do I mean by that? What I mean is that we'll need now uh, people whom uh, can be able to be the creators of those solutions rather than just the consumers. Because if you are a consumer, it means that our country will continue depending on uh, technologies coming in and solutions coming in and being used. But now we need to move from just yes. being a, a user to the creator of those solutions. And people with those skills are going to be the marketable. Yes, that is so true and so important. And you know, you know, as you know, I spent many, many years in Silicon Valley and fundamentally what that place is, mm. it is a wealth aggregation machine. It mm. is very, they've, they've, they've figured out how to build solutions that will extract wealth digitally from the rest of the world. They basically built applications that run the world in a very real sense. And so when we talk about this brave new world that we're going into, where we need, and you, you also talked about this in the beginning, where we need to be the people who actually innovate the people who actually create things and put them out into the world. And uh, we're not there yet. And so how, I guess the question I, I, I have here is, you know, you're in the ac academic field. Part of it is actually the knowledge and the skills that can be deployed in, a, in, a, in, in that type of setting. Um, and part of it is the application of it, right? Yeah. So when you think about those two things, what is the missing link here, right? In terms of the solutions that can deploy skills efficiently and effectively, the right type of skills, especially in, in a fast-moving space such as computing and, and AI and all this stuff, where things are moving so fast that sometimes academic institutions don't have the, are not able to 
pivot or uh, uh, you know adjust their instructional modules to meet the demands of the day. What is what are some of the solutions that can be that 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 you think could uh, could work to, to from a scaling perspective? So the 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 first uh, argument that uh, is there is that the universities the way they are structured is that. Um, you are teaching uh, groups of people who would end up being uh, fitting in various areas. So there is that aspect of, of generalization that is there, that is at the university level. The courses right. that you do, we want you have a group of students and you want them to be uh, possible for them to fit into various areas. And uh, the, the risk to that is that um, you, yes, there is an advantage, which is that you you create people who can fit in various ways and various places, and th that will be okay. But if you look at the current status, is that we need people who are so knowledgeable in some areas that their future is a certain guarantee that will need it. So uh, if you think about an area like AI data science, we, we do need people who are very uh, knowledgeable. In, in The depth is, is very clear that any new things that any new technologies that come does not require these people their entry behavior to the use of new ways of doing things is is already advanced and this is uh, what i think is is the issue that are uh, the gaps that exist or the idea that we need people whom um, the entry point for them to join these areas or to to be to be join these areas that are so um, specialized is is that they have uh, some level of skills that is really needed for for them to be able to do very well in, in those areas. Yeah, so there's it's, it's a question of generalists versus versus specialists. Yes, yes that's basically yeah. what we're talking about. Yes, yes. And so obviously we we are really excited about the that we are working with you on on a on a on a solution for this, right? Yeah, yeah. Where we are looking through Jenga through Jenga school, we are looking to introduce a much more specialist kind of approach to this to the skilling problem that we have or the skilling opportunity depending on how you want to look yes, at it. Yes. And so so you know we we are working with you in this direction and you know maybe share with the, with our audience you know what is it that you see uh, is different with Jenga school or the approach that we are taking uh, in, in this direction? So, so as I have said, the, the, the main uh, issue is that if you think about that generalization, there is the, the, the generalization creates a person who can fit uh, uh, maybe a jack of all trades, but not a master of uh, any. But what, what I like about Jenga more is that, and what is attractive about it is that we have decided um, uh, based on the data and the information and also based on advice from experts out there in the field and people who are in the industry and such and based on what you are seeing the trends around that we need uh, a, 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 a course that is based on specific of uh, objective it's more special so when you you think about it the way we we are trying to structure it is that we have enough first of all we agree that you need time to be able to do these things. So we, we we have set aside time and said, time must be respected for you to achieve a certain objective. Number two, tools must right. be brought on board. Number three, uh, we must be able to use the linkages that exist to be able to, to show that whatever we, we said in terms of generating solutions for the society, that environment exists. That's why Jenga space becomes a very important point that in there, you can bring somebody whose thinking is, I want to be 
uh, to create an to be an entrepreneur and my thinking is that this is the area where uh, most of the the way i see it into the future most of the entrepreneurial ideas will come and influence this kind of an area so it, it provides a very good mix of of a, a, an environment where you have uh, guys who are uh, you, you you have guys who think about entrepreneurial coming in and you have guys who are thinking about technology solution you have time uh, as i've said is very important and you have tools and people interested in doing these areas so the, it's a mix that creates um, a, a, an environment where somebody can really uh, exploit uh, the ideas that that, that 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 are very important in these data science and AI areas. Yeah, and and I think we can summarize that in terms of just saying the rigor and the and the and the level of uh, commitment to the process. Right, yes, we have yes. a twelve-month program. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, as opposed to a, yeah, it's a twelve-month program. You have uh, modules that have been partitioned into uh, four modules. So it, by the time you are done with the fourth module, the the way we see it is that we are going to get somebody who has gotten the 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 the, the best uh, experience in terms of what data science AI goes. And therefore, as you say, Riga is the most important thing that you are focusing, so that there is that uniqueness uh, of the product that we get. Definitely. Well, listen, um, we are almost at 45 minutes. Can you believe it? How time flies when you're, when you're, when you're having fun. Uh, this has been really good to, to connect with you and share, share you, share you with our audience. Uh, the Jenga, the, the Jenga, the Chiri Maji audience is, uh, uh, loyal listeners to, to, um, our guests here. And we really just talk about what's happening in our ecosystem. So, Professor Ndero, it's been a pleasure speaking with you. Um, I'm really excited about the opportunity to actually to work with you and get to know you. And when I when I come across one, people like yourself who are committed to a certain field, they're committed to uh, especially the teaching field, which is a very, very honorable field. It, it makes me very hopeful about what we can achieve uh, in our society because, you know, People like you are the ones who will build uh, the generations of, of the future. So thank you so much for taking the time to, to join me on the podcast. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Also appreciate it.